0: This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. Welcome to episode 90 of Feed Room Chemist. If you have not found me yet on social media, please get over there and give me a like or a follow. I am on Facebook and Instagram, both of them with the handle at Dr. Jimmy. That's at D-R-J-Y-M-E. So on a personal note, I have a new mission for my own horses. I am trying to poop train my group of horses. So nothing, nothing too crazy. I just I just want them to poop in the outside portion of their runs rather than the portion of their runs that's actually under the roof of the barn. So if anyone has tips or tricks on this, if you've done this and you were successful at it, would you please message me on those social channels? Because I feel like this is something that can be done. I mean, there's There have, there's got to be people out there who have attempted this. So if you have, and you've been successful, or you know, someone has, and you know, their, um, know their techniques, please send it to me because I'm, I'm very interested in this. Okay. Let's, let's, we'll get on with the show. I know that you guys probably don't really care too much about my OCD issues. So I'm not entirely sure how I've gotten 90 episodes in and not yet covered hay cubes, But apparently I have, as a multitude of listeners have reached out over the last couple of weeks with all of these Hey Cube questions, and I realized that I had no episode to direct them back to. So normally I have my episodes, um, the topics are pretty much pre-planned for, you know, eight, maybe even 10 weeks ahead, but this one felt pretty important, so it's going to be a line cutter right? So no, that's, that's, that's my elementary school lingo right there. My daughter is always talking about how teachers make them line up in a certain way and you can't cut in line. Well, this episode is going to be a line cutter. So hay cubes. There's a lot of hay cubes on the market and they all try to use just a slightly different selling technique, um, which I have to give them credit for as much of a, let's call it commodity item that hay cubes are, Um, There are some companies that have been really successful in positioning their products and, you know, gaining what at least seems to be a decent market share, um, at least in the United States. Now, there are times when hay cubes fit really well into a horse's diet, and then there are times when they don't. So I'm going to make an effort here to explain uh, both the benefits and the potential pitfalls of hay cubes so that you guys can make an informed decision about whether or not, you know, they they do or don't have a place in your particular um, program. So let's start with, you know, what is a hay cube in case there's anyone that's unfamiliar with the concept. Um, it's basically just normal hay that has been chopped into a smaller particle size. So usually around two inches, maybe two and a half inch at the most, probably particle sizes. Um, They then mix that chopped hay with a little bit of water, steam, and then they compress it into, like a rectangular shape or a square shape is kind of, is the most common. So, you know, those, those little compressed rectangles, um, they're going to generally be maybe an inch and a quarter wide, maybe two and a half inches long, give or take. Um, I'd say that's probably the most common form that you will find hay cubes, but there's, there's a whole variety of shapes and sizes that they can actually come in. They might be, you know, you, you will find some out there that are maybe smaller in diameter, um, you might even find some that are larger in diameter. Um, and when I say diameter, meaning like how big around they are, okay? Um, then if you think in terms of length, they can be, um, you know, they can be shorter than that two and a half inch length, or they can be over two and a half inches in length. Um, I'd say that two and a half inches is just kind of um, your your average. Um, they can also be round and look more like a cylinder, versus being a rectangle. Um, I've seen some that are more like little squares, right? So equal in diameter and length. Um, some cubes are going to be uh, coarsely chopped. So the hay is you know, chopped around to like a two-inch length. And then there's going to also be cubes out there where the the hay is really more like a, it's been ground. So the particle size is going to be a lot finer, right? Um, you'll also see forage pellets. Okay. So same concept, but instead of being compressed into large square rectangular forms, they're going to be compressed into more of a pellet. So a little bit smaller. Um, The size of those pellets, I would say, um, you know, it's going to vary a lot, but usually um, they're going to be between a quarter of an inch to half of an inch in diameter. Um, They might be one to two inches long. So That hopefully kind of gives you a visual if you're not super familiar with um, what hay cubes generally look like. Um, Most of them are going to, when when they actually make the cubes, most cube manufacturers are going to use a natural clay binder like bentonite to help hold those cubes together. This is nothing to be afraid of, okay? As long as the manufacturer is using the bentonite under, you know, normal guidelines and policies and protocol and like how bentonite should be used. Um, Basically what's going on is the bentonite is going to help keep those cubes from crumbling apart and that's going to help lower the dust levels, but then it also has an added benefit bentonite is also a toxin binder. Okay. So, so bentonite contains natural minerals. So things like calcium and magnesium and iron. I mean, I think that some people misunderstand what it is because, you know, it is often described as a clay, like the, 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 I just said it earlier. I said bentonite clay. And so people, when they hear that, that word clay, I think that they just, they think dirt, you know, and they get it in their mind that, you know, these manufacturers are are being really sneaky or shady and, you know, putting dirt in there to make the cubes way more or whatever. I don't know where, where people's minds go, but, but I've, I've heard um, kind of some negative connotation towards Cubes that have bentonite or or different types of binder in them, but bentonite um, it it's formed from volcanic ash that has settled into certain areas, and then it's basically mined back out of the ground. And so there's actually a decent amount of research on bentonite. um, Or I'm going to probably butcher this the the other. clay montmorelite montmorel yeah montmorelite that's that's what i say i don't know if that's the right pronounci- pronunciation of it or not but they're they're very similar bentonite and this montmorelite are very similar they're both clays um in fact their names are really just different because they're named after the areas that they're mined from um but you know if you look at the research the research actually shows that that these particular clays are effective at binding certain types of aflatoxins and so aflatoxins are are these toxins basically that are produced by certain types of mold okay so Bentonite is really commonly used in the feed industry. um, and there's nothing to be afraid of because I want to make sure everyone understands that that aflatoxins are something that naturally occur in feed ingredients. So whether it is, you know, hay, whether it's um, actual, you know grain ingredients, there are these these levels of aflatoxins that are that are always, or not always, but almost always in existence, at least in some small level. And then under certain conditions, under certain harvest conditions, under certain storage conditions, those levels can increase. And so putting a a toxin binder into a feed or into a cube is one kind of preventative measure that a manufacturer can use in order to make sure that those toxins actually get bound and then processed out of the animal versus going into the animal and getting absorbed by the body. So, you know, the fact that it's called a binder um, is really two-pronged. Number one, it binds those aflatoxins, but then it also helps bind the particles Together to make that better quality cube or that better quality pellet. So I hope that brings a little bit of understanding around, um, you know, the bentonite or the montmorillonite clay. You know, questions that I see circling around in people's heads sometimes. Um, all haze start as hay in the field, right? And I've talked many times before that the quality of hay. Is completely dependent upon the stage of maturity when that grass is cut. Okay. So the same goes for hay cubes. The cube can only be as good as the quality of the hay that the quality, or yeah, the cube can only be as good a quality as the quality of the hay that was cut to begin with. I hope that made sense. So hay can be produced, obviously, only during the growing season, right? Nobody's growing hay in the middle of the winter, right? Hay hay is produced during the growing season. Cubes are obviously available all year round. Has anyone ever given thought to how that is possible? Well, it's simple. The hay is harvested, it is baled just like normal, and then it is stored until it's needed, okay? Much in the same way if we were to go buy hay for our horses, we go buy our hay after it's harvested and we store it under Barns, hopefully. If you don't have a barn, hopefully you're at least storing it under a tarp. <laughs> um, but we save it until we need it. That's the same thing that they do with cubes. Um, so the way that they do this is they, they, take those hay bales and they put it through a hay chopper or a hay processor to get that stem size chopped down or cut down so that it's all in this consistent, you know, desired length of whatever, you know, whatever length a particular manufacturer is trying to use. So that way it can be sent through that equipment to be properly cubed. So back to where I was going with this. If that hay is harvested in an early growth stage, it's going to be more nutritious and it's gonna be, it's probably gonna be a lot greener in appearance. Now, if it were harvested in a very late growth stage, meaning it was really mature, maybe it already like headed out, um, already bloomed, you know, it was a very late stage of maturity when it was harvested, or if maybe after it was cut, if it got rained on during the curing stage, And it had to lay out there in the field longer to get dried out because it had gotten rained on. Um, It might get sun bleached. Um, It it might be a little bit more brown or yellow in appearance. Or let's let's say a manufacturer wants to make a more economical, or in other words cheaper, alfalfa cube. They might cut the alfalfa with some lower quality, um, either lower quality alfalfa or they might even cut it with some grass hay Um, which can also cause the color to become a little bit more brown than green in that finished cube. So because of that, if let's say, let's say for whatever reason, um, the end product is more brown than green. Um, Horse owners generally don't like that, right? Because we're so programmed in our brains to think of color as quality. Um, And so some cube companies will actually add green coloring to the forage to make it look like it's higher quality. Um so I'm definitely not a fan of that approach. Um I like I I I much I much prefer to cut the forage at the best quality stage for the nutrition and I prefer that you don't dilute that quality out with lower quality forage, right? And so if you start with really good quality, you're going to end with really good quality. Um, so, you know, if if you're going to go into the world of cubes and you're considering that, you know, it's it's worth paying attention and looking. Um, if you know what you're looking for, it's pretty easy to identify those cubes that, that have got a little bit of green coloring in them. Um, you'll find splotches here and there. You'll find little chunks that are you know, really green and then little chunks that are not green at all. And it just, so there's just something about it that doesn't look normal if you're really paying attention to it. So how do you know if the cubes that you're feeding are good quality? Um, fact check the manufacturers, of course, but don't just take their word for it. Um, you know, be <laughs> I mean, this the, we're all humans, right? Everybody wants to say that whatever they're doing is the best. Um, so, you know, talk to them, learn about the steps that they're taking, right? Like, don't just, don't just let, don't just let them say, oh, what we do is, is the best. We're better than anybody else and, and take their word for it. Don't do that. Um, say, you know, what, what makes you better? How are you cutting it? Where's your hay coming from? Um, at what stage is it harvested? Like, do they have certain processes and protocols for how they handle the hay once it's baled? Where does it get stored? Is it stored outside until it's cubed? Is it stored inside? Is it tarped? Is it under a barn? Just there's a lot of things where if you have a conversation with them and you let them talk through their process, they will uncover a lot of information for you without you having to try real hard to decipher it yourself. Um, But then ultimately, you know, pay attention to what you're feeding and how your horses are reacting to whatever's coming out of that bag of cubes. Um, There's, there are a couple of hay cube brands that I trust, that I really like, um, that I, you know, when I'm feeding cubes or those are the brands that I stick with. But I don't know, it was probably a year, year and a half ago, I was, I was in a jam and I could not get the cubes that I normally buy. And I was forced to buy, um, let's just call it a store brand (laughs) alfalfa cube, and they were terrible. I mean, when I opened that bag of cubes and I dumped it into um, my feed barrel, the dust just billowed out of the barrel whenever I dumped that bag in. And then when I looked at them, they're just this ugly brown, just color that did not resemble quality forage at all. Um, they are obviously, you know, made out of poor quality hay and I vowed to never purchase that store's Um, store brand alfalfa cubes again. So, you know, if, if the cubes that you're using are just like billowing dust out when you dump them out, that's not a good thing. Run from those kinds of cubes because um, that dust can cause upper airway issues in your horse. It can cause them to cough. It can, I mean, it can lead to allergies. There's just a lot of things that can go wrong um, if you subject your horse to that on a daily basis. So, Speaking of dust, let's actually talk about um, some research. A study was just published um, and they looked at the differences in dust concentration and chewing activity in alfalfa cubes versus long stem hay. Those researchers found that alfalfa cubes actually had a higher rate of inhalable dust compared to long stem hay. Now, both the hay and the cubes were um, what they, they, they classified them as, quote, sound hygienic status. Um, so, I mean, it's not that either of them were terrible or outside of normal protocols in terms of dust. But it is worth noting that the cubes did have a statistically higher amount of dust being put off at feeding time. So if you are choosing to feed cubes, um, because maybe you want a more dust free option, just make a mental note of that right now. And you might want to consider wetting or misting the cubes slightly before you feed them just to knock any dust that might be there. And again, um, it goes back to, you know, I don't know what brand of cubes they were using in that particular study. And so, you know, the quality of those cubes, could have been part of what was causing that you know that particle size in the air and you know was that particle size or that quote dust in the air that could be inhaled was that dust or was that mold spores? you know i mean like, there's just a lot of questions that i have about that particular study that i would love to you know just visit with the researchers about um, to learn a little bit more but i don't have that luxury so um, the other aspect of that particular study was chew time, okay? So researchers found that feeding cubes caused horses to spend 24% less time eating, and those horses took 26% fewer chews per day. So what does that mean? Basically, the chopping process that happens when you manufacture cubes um, That basically is doing the bulk of the chewing for your horse. So, your horse doesn't have to work as hard to chew um, as long. Like, it doesn't have to chew as hard and it doesn't have to chew as long before swallowing because the hay is already in a really small particle size. Now, if you have an efficiency mindset, you might be thinking, oh, cool, the hard work is done. That means that, you know, cubes are going to be way easier on my horse's digestive system. Well, less chewing and faster eating is actually not. A good thing for horses. So remember back, um, you know, I've talked about this before. Horses are designed to eat continuously throughout the day. They don't do well on an empty stomach and they don't do well when their mouth is idle. Um, you know, this is evidenced by all of those horses that, you know, run out of feed in their stall and then they develop all of these stereotypic behaviors like cribbing and stalling weaving and stall walking and (laughs) all of the really obnoxious things, chewing on wood, you know, all of these things that they start doing um, when they don't have anything to eat. Well, another thing to note is that horses only produce saliva, saliva when they are chewing. And saliva is the natural buffer to stomach acid. So without chewing, you have no saliva. And without saliva, the stomach becomes more acidic which then increases that chance of developing gastric ulcers. Now, the authors of that study, um, they actually put in their conclusion that hay cubes should not be the sole forage source for horses. And um, I guess I've always believed that as well. My stance is that if you are feeding hay cubes, I'm not saying you shouldn't feed hay cubes. I'm saying if you are feeding hay cubes, you should also be offering some long stem forage so that after a horse finishes the cubes, they'll have some hay available to munch on until, you know, that next feeding time comes around. Um, And it doesn't have to be much hay. Um, I've seen just, you know, a a couple of pounds, a pound or two pounds of hay per feeding make a lot of difference for some horses. Now, a different team of researchers um, looked at grass hay versus alfalfa hay, versus alfalfa cubes in terms of fiber digestibility and nitrogen utilization. And they actually found that there was no difference in the nitrogen utilization between the three. Okay, so that is basically expected, right? It means the amount of protein that the horse was able to digest was only influenced by the amount of protein that the forage contained, right? So there was no effect on protein between the long stem hay and the cubed hay. So we know that alfalfa is higher in protein than grass hay. So we would expect that there would be more, you know, nitrogen utilization or more protein absorption basically happening in alfalfa because it is higher in protein compared to the grass hay. So um, that was all as expected. Whether it was long stem or whether it was cubed didn't have any effect on, on how the animal used the protein. But the researchers in that study did find that fiber digestibility was actually better in the long stem hay compared to the cubed hay. So in other words, horses digested more fiber when they were fed long stem hay compared to, to cubed hay. Like So in terms of fecal output, horses on alfalfa, regardless of whether it was cubed or long stem alfalfa, um, they actually had wetter manure than the horses that were on grass hay. And if you think about that, like, from your own experience standpoint, you know, I, I, at least I've experienced this. I would, I, I, I'm guessing that others have too, that, you know, if a horse is on alfalfa, um, a lot of times their manure might be a little bit wetter, right? You might be a little bit more on the verge of, you know, not having perfectly formed fecal balls. You might, they might just be a little bit fluffier fecal balls, or they might even be closer to that verge of cow patty-ish, um, but not true cow patty, right? But then on grass hay, you might see horses have much more firm and rounded and and solidly formed fecal balls. Okay. Um, the other thing that they found was that horses on grass hay produced the most manure. Okay, horses on alfalfa cubes produced less manure than the horses on grass hay, but It was surprisingly the horses on the long stem alfalfa hay that produced the least amount of manure of all three. Okay, And then urine production was exactly the same across the board. So bottom line, if you're looking to reduce the amount of manure that you have to move around your property and you want to improve fiber digestion, your best bet, at least according to this study, is to actually feed long stem alfalfa hay versus alfalfa cubes. Um, So let's talk about some times where you would want to feed alfalfa cubes. Um, The first place that comes to my mind is horses that have missing teeth or dental problems. Now, you would, of course, want to wet the cubes prior to feeding so that they break down into like a soft, easy to chew consistency. Um, But this is a fantastic way to get fiber into a horse, um, particularly for a horse that can't properly chew long stem hay or can't properly graze pasture grass. Another time I recommend alfalfa um, pellets or cubes is as a supplement to a grass hay diet. So maybe the horses need a little bit more protein in the diet. Maybe that grass hay tested really, really poorly in protein. Okay. In that situation, I would incorporate, you know, maybe five or six pounds a day of alfalfa cubes or alfalfa pellets into the diet to kind of supplement that lower quality hay. I also like to use alfalfa cubes when hay supplies are really limited or when horse quality hay is really hard to come by. So there's years where, you know, horse hay is just flat out hard to find. Either, you know, we're going through droughts or there's too much rain and and farmers can't get into the field or whatever the reason. I mean, sometimes you just can't find good hay, but you can almost always get your hands on a bag of alfalfa cubes. And and I guess I keep saying alfalfa cubes, but I mean any processed forage. I mean it could be Timothy cubes, it could be um, orchard grass pellets. Some um, any um, any processed forage. Now I mentioned in the treat episode that I like to use smaller alfalfa cubes in lieu of horse treats. Um, they are really low in starch and sugar. They're high in fiber and they're really safe to feed. So especially for those of you out there that are doing um, like reward training. Those really small alfalfa cubes or those those alfalfa pellets are a really um, safe thing to use as your treat or your reward. Alfalfa cubes are also good in situations where storage space is really limited um, because a 50-pound bag of cubes takes up less physical space than a 50-pound bale of hay, and the reason for that is just because of the, the density of the cubes, right? Now, to the flip side, um, when would I avoid cubes? Definitely in horses that are already very anxious or have a tendency towards ulcers or digestive stress. Well, wait, let me back up. So you can still feed cubes to these horses, but you just need to make sure that they also have a flake or two of regular hay as well so that they have something to eat when they run out of those cubes. I like to hang a slow feeder bag of just regular grass hay and then keep it full all the time. Um, those horses are 99% of the time going to choose to eat the alfalfa cubes first. So it's not like hanging that, that bag of grass hay in a slow feeder is going to cause them to not eat the cubes um, unless there's something funky with the cubes, right? If they're poor, poor in quality or they taste funny, um, then the grass hay might get eaten first. But again, that's a good clue to you as the owner that the quality of the cubes um, might not be that good. So if I am feeding um, weanlings or yearlings, or even even two-year-olds maybe, um, I'm going to shy away from your typical big alfalfa cube. And the reason is that the mouths of those horses are small. They are constantly changing, right? So be- baby teeth are coming in. Baby teeth are falling out. Adult teeth are coming in. If anybody's ever experienced young children who are teething and, you know, it, Teeth are coming in. Teeth are falling out. It's just like this big saga. And so I can only imagine that, you know, our young horses are dealing with at least some of that as well. Um, There's just there's a lot going on in their mouths. And I don't feel like it does those horses any favors by asking them to stick a two and a half inch wide cube in the back of their mouth and try to break it down with their molars. Um, I think it causes them to probably shift their heads into awkward positions. Um, and frankly, you know, if their mouth is sore from teeth coming in, they might just choose not to eat as much as they need to. And this growing period is ultra critical from a nutrition standpoint. So I would never want a young horse to decide that they don't want to eat because it's too difficult or too painful. Um, now I think once, once you're in that four-year-old, five-year-old, your range, um, it becomes much less of a concern. So if you're if you're feeding now if you're feeding really small cubes, like let's say they're a half inch or maybe even a quarter inch in diameter or smaller than that, um, then I don't get too worried. You're gonna be okay okay doing that. Now, the last place I might advise someone to steer clear of cubes would be in horses that are prone to choke or those that have um, existing scar tissue in the esophagus where the food might have a tendency to hang up. Um, At least I would advise not feeding dry cubes to these horses, okay? So you would want to treat these horses kind of like they have no teeth, right? You can feed the cubes. It's totally fine to feed them, but you just need to make sure that you wet them a little bit and soften them up first. Um, I would also, with those horses, I would tend to try to feed them on in a larger surface area. So I might use a bigger trough so that the cubes are all spread out so that they're only one cube layer deep um, and then spread them out a lot and maybe even throw, you know, some salt locks or something in the middle or really big, large, smooth stones. So that way the horse kind of has to eat around everything and they only pick up one cube at a time and then they, you know, thoroughly eat it. Hopefully it's soft. And so it just kind of crumbles apart in their mouth when they do pick it up. Um, so I, those, that, that kind of wraps up the, the scenarios where I would use cubes, wouldn't use cubes, when I do use cubes, how I would use them, um, some of the red flags. I hope that that answered questions. Um, I guess one other thing that I didn't mention is, is pay attention to what else is in the cubes. So there are a lot of, we all just assume that that when we talk about forage cubes, that it's just forage in the cubes. But there are. I've I've seen cubes out there that have other things in them, right? So there are some cubes that are promoted as having oats built into them. Um, some cubes are promoted as having you know vitamin and mineral packs built into them. So just pay attention to what else is in the cube and be mindful of that when you are thinking about um, the comprehensive diet. So you know. Treat cubes as a forage source, not as a grain source. Um, And if you are going to treat them as a grain source, you need to make sure that either they have vitamins and minerals built into them, or you're providing a diet balancer or some kind of vitamin and mineral supplement on top to complement where that forage would lack. Because if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, hay alone or forage alone does not satisfy the trace mineral requirements for horses and almost always does not satisfy all of the vitamin requirements either. So um, you just want to make sure that, you know, just because alfalfa cubes or alfalfa pellets look like they're similar to a, a, a grain or a concentrate feed, um, just keep in mind that it, it's forage. Think of it like hay. Um, And if you are going to incorporate it into the diet, or if you're looking to replace part of the hay in the diet, you do it at a pound for pound replacement, right? So if you take away a pound of long stem hay, you feed a pound of alfalfa cubes or for, you know, Timothy cubes or whatever it is, the processed forage. Um, So weigh your hay, know how much you're taking away, weigh your cubes, know how much you're feeding. um, And then keep in mind that horses just on a daily basis need to consume at least 2% of their body weight. So if you have an 1100 pound horse or a 500 kilogram horse, you need to make sure that they are eating at least 22 pounds per day or 10 kilograms per day of food. And that's in a 24 hour period. So that means between hay, cubes, and then whatever grain you're feeding, that total amount needs to equal that 22 pounds. Now, if anybody wants to dig into the studies that I mentioned, um, I will drop links for both of them in the show notes. And again, before I sign off, I just want to encourage you guys hop over to Facebook and Instagram, give the at Dr. Jimmy um, pages like, follow, leave your thoughts on the episode. Um, maybe you have experience with some of this yourself. Um, drop pictures even of the cubes that you use or you're familiar with just so that, so that, you know, more people can see what options there are available. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to see some of those big square rectangular cubes. I'd love to see some of the really small ones. You know, I'd love to see some that are um, fortified with vitamins and minerals. Um, you know, so just drop some pictures in there so that, that we all can see and discuss and talk about um, those different options. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.